Here you are. We're listening to Seahawks Weekly right here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. What a great crowd that we have here. If you're driving around and you and you may be done with Snowflake Lane, come on down here to Bellevue at Pearl and listen to what's going on here. We have an interview at 8 o'clock. Michael Wilhoyt, linebacker for your Seattle Seahawks, will be here live in person to speak with him. And I'm G. Scott, Dave Wyman, and big, big, big play, Jordan Babino. Fellas, what's what you no know good? Can we can we just thank Ian and Sarah? Sarah knits things, uh, little bears, and she made each of us a snow hat. I got a number 92 here. Thank you, Sarah. G. Scott got a G-E-E. Yeah. We got even one for uh, Will Hoyt. You know, just uh, for Can you imagine how much time this takes right here to oh, make this? Too much time. And oh, for those no. listening right now, Sarah comes here to every Seahawks Weekly, and she knits uh, a little bitty bear for each of the guests that they have <laughs> every single week. And to cap it off, because this is our last Seahawks Weekly yes. of the season, she makes us a Santa hat. Exactly. The nicest thing in the world. Almost brings your boy to tears. I, I know. Well, the first time you saw that little bear, you thought I knitted it for you. Remember? I did. Yeah. I did. Because I, I handed it to you. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Yeah. Gee, I'm not. I don't, I don't to, feel that way about you. you I love you. You used to man, make but... stuff like that when you used to wear tight shorts <laughs> really? around me all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. More skills that I didn't know. That I got. <laughs> before we get into Michael Wilhoyd and John Clayton and going into the locker into the film room, I need to recap last week. What was the biggest issue for last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, if you ask me, um, I think it was the lack of pressure by the defense, defensive line. One hit on Blake Bortles. And look, you know, there was a lot of disrespect about Blake Bortles last week. And he's a professional football player. And if you give him time, he's going to make passes. And that's, you know, I think that's the big part of it, probably number one. Number two was just the injuries. They started to pile up. I mean, we're at that point where, look, you know, I was doing the game out in Jacksonville with Rabel and our spotter, Chris Taylor, wrote down this list, just kind of put it up there. said, Cam Chancellor, uh, you know, Richard Sherman and Cliff Averill, and now all of a sudden you put K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner on there. That's five superstars, man. That's five guys on your defense that are very important. So they're just they're suffering a lot of attrition, so I thought attrition was a lot of it as well. And then you got guys forced into service, and Will Hoyt is a fantastic linebacker. He really is. When they signed him, I thought, man, they got some great depth there. But now all of a sudden, you know, he's working with K.J., then he's working with D.J. Alexander, and so... But, you know, they're going to have a full week of work this week, having worked together in practice, so that's a good thing. But, you know, the injuries are just starting to catch up to them. The other thing I thought, Babs, I don't know what you thought about Jacksonville. I started kind of diving into what they've done this year and looking at them. That's a really good team. I mean, they're as good good as anybody in the AFC. You ask me, they went to Pittsburgh and beat the heck out of them, 30-9. to And you saw over the weekend, you know, uh, on Monday night, that uh, New England got beat by Miami. So they're as good as any team in the AFC. So I'm not that discouraged by that loss because the Seahawks had a chance to win that game a couple of times. I I think overall when you take a look at that football game, early on you knew it was going to be a defensive battle. Jacksonville was a team that uh, defensively would create uh, havoc for an offense and make it tough. When you look at Jacksonville's offense, I didn't think that they had the skill set or the quarterback to beat this Seahawks team. But I thought they had a defense that could help and create change and turnovers and really provide an impact and a spark as we saw what happened. 
But earlier, in, as I said earlier in that game, what was the what was the difference was field position. It was a field position battle early on throughout the first quarter. It was three nothing going into the half, and the Seahawks had a chance to tie that game up with Blair Walsh missing a field goal at the end of the first half. That has been a problem for the Seahawks special teams. And we look at uh, the the uh, Atlanta Falcons game. Uh, we look at the, the earlier L.A. game, and now this game, when you look at missed opportunities from special teams, boy, caught up with them. And, and Jacksonville schemed them pretty good, and, and they hit them for uh, a big punt return that led up and set, a, uh, set up a touchdown uh, early in the third quarter. So field position, special teams, uh, and then offensively, well, they made an adjustment. They finally figured it out. They figured out how to beat this Jacksonville combo coverage style defense that they play. And then you saw the big plays down the field with Tyler Lockett and, and, and Richardson uh, that, that, that Russell took advantage of. It wound up being too late. You talk about the defense and you're talking about the Jacksonville creating change and causing turnovers, which brings me to my question. I'll start with you, Babs. How would you assess Russell Wilson's game last week? Well, I, I think early on, really with Russell, what you want to do, you, you want to get him going early, and you want to build his confidence because Russell likes to fill out the opponent, and that's okay. Man, you, I think with these scripted first 15 plays that every offensive coordinator likes to develop for a game plan, it, it kind of makes Russell too robotic. And as he gets the flow of the game, you start to see the poise come, you start to see the, the backyard football come, and you start to see the big plays happen. This is a big play offense. They, they want to, you know, grab those first five yards, get a couple first downs, and then strike. And then that big strike, well, Russell threw three interceptions, you know. So he throws the ball downfield against two, you know, really good cover corners, and they led to interceptions. I think in the later in the third and fourth quarter, as we saw, when the game really got to a point where he had to respond, he did, but then it wind up being too late. So you can't just you, you can't just uh, kind of robotically script Russell, uh, you know, for success. Although we, you, as an offensive coordinator, Darrell Belva really tries to do that because you want to try to see what they're doing defensively, what what are they doing different. But they they really found uh, found the you know the, the the key ingredient and the key plays that really sparked that offense and got them throwing the ball downfield and they hit them for some big plays. You know, Dave Wyman, as a linebacker, I would like to see what it is that you're seeing from the Seahawks' run game and the offense. It seems to me there seems to be a spark. Mike Davis, even though he didn't finish the game, but there seems to be a spark and a threat with Mike Davis and also J.D. McKissick. From a linebacker's view, what are you seeing? I see explosiveness. Uh, sometimes people use the word suddenness, you know, where there's just the quickness and everything. I think they're really close, man. You know, they got 97 yards in that first half. You talk about Russell Wilson. I feel like that really helps him. If Russell Wilson had a top 10 running game, I feel like he'd be a lock as an MVP. If he had that kind of help. And so they, they did a good job in the first half. Here's what I liked about the running game. First of all, a couple of those plays that Mike Davis got loose on, it wasn't zone blocking that we we have come to know. They're, they were pulling guys, kind of like it's like a power game, kind of yep. like what Jacksonville did. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville did that, 
and it's very basic stuff, man. And it's just mano a mano. I'm going to beat your guy, and that's what ended up happening. But they were pulling Justin Britt around. They pulled Luke Jokel around, and on those good runs that Mike Davis had, that's the kind of blocking scheme they were using. So I think Bevel's getting much better. I'll go back to the Philadelphia game where Russell ran that read option and he had a lead blocker with Nick Vanette. I mean, that's beautifully designed stuff, and I think that they're getting close to getting that done. The other thing is the draw game and the screen game, and that's how you offset a defensive line that's really rushing fast. They were so close on that. I mean, there was a draw where I thought Mike Davis, if he would have busted it to the right, there was a, a... a situation where they had three defensive linemen on one side of the center and then only one on the other, and he rushed up field. And if Mike would have just kept it to the right, you know, easy for me to see, you know, sitting <laughs> up in the booth. But I'm like, you know, that play would have worked. It was a draw play. And then the screen play, they just got to get the timing down on it because uh, Britt and, uh, and Jokel were like 12 yards downfield. It was just a bad timing thing. But, man, once they get that stuff going and, and start to make it work, I think that's really going to help out this offense. So, look, I'm encouraged by what I've I've seen, and I know a lot of people think, well, that's kind of weird because you lost and – you know, but they got 141 yards rushing. Uh, Some of it was Russell, but I just love what I'm seeing out of Mike Davis. And, you know, I – he got a rib injury in that game, but I, I get the feeling that he's going to be good to go. Yeah, I believe so as well. I mean, especially at this point, you definitely want to suit up all your soldiers and take this field against the L.A. Rams because this is exactly the championship type of week that you prepare for in Pete Carroll's type of motto with every game being a championship game. But to talk a little bit about the running game and build on what you said about Russell Wilson, Seattle got the edge and had the one-on-one uh, matchup with a defensive end for Jacksonville. Now, there are a few times that they played it well, but you see Russell getting out on the edge and really getting into space and, 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 and having an opportunity to get into that style and comfort as we saw with that early run that was part of that first 15 scripted run, run, run threat uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we got Michael Wilhoyt, linebacker for your Seattle Seahawks. He'll be right here, so if you're driving around, come on down to Pearl. And coming up next, we're going to be going inside the film room as uh, Jordan Babineau and Dave Wyman take us through a few plays to explain to us what's going on. Um, i got to address this. If, if Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright aren't able to play this Sunday, how do the Seahawks compensate for that? Well, I mean, they're going to have to go out there with Terrence Garvin and Michael Wilhoyt, probably at middle linebacker, and then DJ Alexander. So, you know, and we saw all those guys last week. Look, you know, I remember last year, at the end of the year, one of the second things that Pete addressed, I can't remember what the first one was, but the second one was we need to get some depth at linebacker. They did that. You know, they went out and got Michael Wilhoyt. Michael Wilhoyt's a starter on most teams in the NFL. I really have always admired his play. And you'll see, you know, you'll see when he comes up, he's got the most fearsome beard in the NFL. <laughs> he does. He's a bad-looking dude. He does. He does. But, you know, he's a great player. He really he can play all three positions. He got forced into duty playing middle linebacker. That's not the position that he's played the most. But, you know, here's what I'll say. And, Babs, I asked you this before the show. Is it still this way? And I've asked the players that way. When I played, if you were second string or, you know, a backup, you only get about 10% of the reps during during the week. And, you know, that, that's still and true. You confirm that, that that is true. And so going into that game, Michael Wilhoyt, DJ Alexander, they're not getting that many reps at, at, at linebacker in, in practice. So, But this week they have. 
So there was a couple of things, man. They were really close. Like some of those running plays, if if Michael had known how DJ was going to play a certain block, he could have made some tackles in some key situations. So I, I think that they're going to be able to coordinate that and get that chemistry down. Yeah, that was the one thing I said. There's a lack of chemistry. You had lots of talent out there. DJ Alexander will come up and he'll splatter a guard. And not to mention, both of those guys are big special teams players. So while they're yeah. down there covering kicks, uh, you know, they have to turn over and, and get right back on defense. So right. that, that was a huge issue as well because once they lost KJ and Wagner, now uh, Will Hoyt and Alexander covering kicks now having to go to defense. But right. as, you, as you said, the, you know, the backup players do... Uh, get far less reps throughout practice, and they spend a lot of their times being the look team for the offense. Um, but but today I was out at the VMAC and got a chance to see all of those guys active. Um, you know, both Will Hoyt and, and Alexander out there with the defense getting those reps um, because that's key and that's pivotal. And coaches really like to feel like that. You, you develop a certain type of confidence by throughout the week going through the walkthrough understanding the fit of the defense, how the offense is going to attack you, and the best way to play it. So they had a chance to do that. To answer your question, can the Seahawks beat the Rams without their two Pro Bowl linebackers? I always like to feel like they can because I never like to discredit these guys and the work that they put in throughout the week to say that they're preparing for a loss. I mean, to me, I think that's disrespectful. What do they do to compensate that? Well, they get a few extra defensive linemen this week that are healthy. Uh, thankfully, after what happened at the end of the game, there were no suspensions. Mm -hmm. So the Seahawks really have to lean heavily on their defensive line to get pressure on, on Jared Goff. Yeah, I'll right. tell you what, if they're going to suspend some of our players, I was going to sue the Jacksonville Jaguars for you lack of control of their fans. Yeah, That was ridiculous. Was I was there, man. I was so angry. And I don't want to go too much into it, but God bless EK. Eric Kennedy, for anybody that doesn't know, he was the big bald guy that was trying to pull Jefferson out of the stands. EK was a ball boy when I was there in 1989, yep. and he is one of those guys that all the players love and trust, and thank God he pulled Jefferson out of there. But some of the stuff that I heard was going on down there, it just, it just made me angry because this is a multi-billion dollar industry, and you can't be going to work and hearing some of the stuff those guys are hearing. And I can tell you and the NFL thrown. addressed that with every, all 32 teams this week about fan conduct. So yeah. um, and, and I gotta they say, won't tolerate that. If you get caught doing things like that, then you, yeah. you'll be banned from attending NFL games in the future. Yeah, you're a guy who makes millions of dollars. and I don't, Not that that's, it's that the, about the money. But don't you think you should be in a work environment where people aren't throwing stuff at you? Yeah, I mean, if I everybody agree. started, which I wouldn't blame you for throwing stuff at me because sometimes I say stupid things. But come <laughs> on. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And so it got out of control. I felt really bad for Quentin Jefferson. Look, gee, we had him in here the other night. He's the sweetest guy in the world. But everybody has a breaking point. And so I'm glad that everything worked out fine. But I just want to defend Quentin Jefferson because I've been in that situation and I've had fans scream at you and say things that they would never say to you if you were out in the middle of a field. You played in the black hole. Yeah, I, I know played down at the Raiders, and, and actually Denver fans would turn on you when you were there, you know, when I played there. I, so I, I've had some things said to me. I've never had a drink thrown on me. 
Yeah. I bet you that between a drink thrown on you and being spit on. How about thrown at you? And that's about you you know know what what I mean? 20 like, yards ugh. launching. I don't even know what I would do. But, you know, for all of you perfect saints out there, hey, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah, turn the other cheek. And I understand that's what Great. you're supposed to do. But, you know, and also you're down there. And you, it's look, I always say this. Football, is it's a fist fight. You know, you're out there. It's it's for real, you know. And so it, it's difficult for guys. But I'll tell you what, I was very proud of the way the guys handled it ultimately. You saw Quentin Jefferson, some of the things he said afterwards. And, you know, he's a good man. So it's just one of those It's one of those things that sometimes it goes overboard a little bit. But, you know, I was just glad we got out of there. And, again, I'll, I'll just emphasize, I really think Jacksonville is a really good team. And uh, they're going places. And that wasn't that bad of a loss. So, I don't think that they lost any of that momentum that they had after they're, beating Philly. They, they're a good team, but they, they're not a winning organization for a long time, so oh they don't God. know how to handle winning. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, oh. you go back and look at the times the Seahawks, like they've only lost six games over the last five years. It's the worst season they've had. You go back and look, their best season is winning five games. Yeah. So yeah. this is they've not had a lot of success. And, and guess what? Them five games they was winning always included the Seahawks in one of them wins. See, would you agree with that over the years with the Rams? Oh, I was talking about oh, Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville, actually. Okay, yeah. They're but no, but you're right. The Rams, you know, the Rams, you are, the Rams are the ones that are, you know, they're kind of the ones yeah. that are kind of always poking the Seahawks. So oh, yes. we got some revenge here. Speaking of that, now they're coming to town. Jared Goff is their quarterback, someone who you just thought was terrible last year but he comes in this year and his playing that was a charles barkley record and he's coming in this year uh big play babs what you seeing out of jared goff man well i think the biggest thing when you look at golf is that you, you you've got to acknowledge their new change in command and their head coach in mcveigh uh, you know he's he's doing some incredible things offensively that has that's making him play better whether it's getting the ball out of his hand faster making these immediate reads and getting the ball to his players. He does a lot offensively, um, you know, both with Todd Gurley. We know what kind of player he is, but with Tavon Austin as well. I, I mean, Tavon Austin will line up as a running back, and they would actually hand him off the ball. That, you know, kind of reminds me a lot of the style of a Percy Harvin, what Minnesota and the Seahawks tried to do with, with, with his talent. And so he, he can, you know, create different type of mismatches. But... These guys really want to throw the ball down the field. And, um, you know, more than that, I think their style of, of play, uh, defensively we've known them to be a good team. But now offensively they have the confidence in their quarterback throughout through their head coach that's given them a lot of success. This is the number two uh, ranked offense in the NFL. So it's going to be a tough challenge for the Seahawks defensively. Again, I think the pressure comes down to uh, how well the defensive line plays against this offense. Uh, for us to make up for the lack of our pro bowlers and our, our superstars that's missing on the defensive side of the ball. I'll tell you, it's going to be a great matchup. Shaq Griffin on Cooper Cup. Whenever that happens, because Cooper Cup, you know, he's got eight, almost 800 yards of receptions. He's a rookie. Shaq's a rookie. I got to meet his brother. We had him in here a couple of weeks. I got to meet Shaquem. Oh, did you? Field. Who's an All-American. All-American All-American. And for people that don't know the story, it's just so inspiring to me. He, he does not have a left hand. Yep. And he is out there playing football. He's All-American. He's a player of the year in the conference. And so I was like, I got to beat this guy. Fellow linebacker, pretty awesome to see. So, But Shaq, you know, his brother going up against uh, Cooper Cup, that'll be a good matchup. Cooper Cup, I don't know if people remember, that was the guy that dropped the pass at the very end of that game. Could have oh, beat the Seahawks. Right. So, And it was just a little bit too long. So 
This is a this is a good rivalry they got. I think it's the new NFC West rivalry that replaced San Francisco, Arizona. The the Rams are kind of the thorn in the Seahawks side and vice versa. I agree. You know, these Rams, they come in town and, and, and Sean McVay br brings in, like you said, Babs, he's got a new command. He brings he's a he's a youngster. I think he's thirty six years old. Yeah. No, he's younger than me. I he, think he's thirty four. Is he thirty four? Wait, wait, Babs, don't even try to even say how how young are you? Well, I was born in 1982. I never tell my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. I, ain't, I can't do math, so I don't worry about it. <laughs> but not on radio. Not on radio. Don't not even right. try it. Don't that's even a try true it. statement. Oh, my Doing God. radio and math at the same no, time. No, they don't work. That's not work. <laughs> Before we get out of this, what's the biggest concern? What's the biggest concern about this Rams team coming into town that you guys see for the Seahawks? Well, for me, I would say Todd Gurley because he's got about 125 yards a game in multi-purpose, you know, receiving and and uh, and running the ball, and no KJ Wright possibly, and no Bobby Wagner possibly. Those guys neutralize a guy like Todd Gurley, and that's the thing about you know with Todd Gurley, he's a mismatch for most linebackers in the league. He's not with Bobby Wagner. I always think about that third down. It might have been a fourth down play last year where they tried to go for it, and Bobby came up and just stoned Todd Gurley in the running game. And you're going to be possibly missing that guy, possibly missing KJ. So I think Todd Gurley, to me, is the biggest concern. Well, I mean, I certainly agree with that because Gurley is part of the engine in that vehicle. Um, and to me, I, I think... Overall, I, I think defensive, uh, offensively for the Rams, they could scheme the Seahawks for success. And I've seen it with Philly. I've, and Philly missed. Carson Wentz missed a few throws. I've uh, seen it with Jacksonville. Jacksonville, there, there's a certain type of play that really threatens the type of coverage that the Seahawks like to run. And what's that? That's the deep over. It's called a deep over. And what it does, it basically puts Earl in a compromised position to either jump a route or play honest in the post. And Earl doesn't always play honest in the post. He, he's a risk taker, but I'll tell you, he takes calculated risks because he watches a lot of film. And, but, I, but I do think that Sean McVay knows how to attack this defense. And scheme-wise, they could scheme the Seahawks defense for success, especially missing their all-pro cornerback and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and their, their defensive front. Uh, pass rusher and Cliff, Cliff Averill. So I, I'm, I'm expecting them to throw the ball downfield with this type of passing concept that could give them success. All right. You heard Babs put lay it down. And, of course, our linebacker here, Dave Wyman, coming up at 745, the professor, J.C., John Clayton, he will join us. But up next, we go inside the film room and nerd out a little bit on some football as Dave Wyman and Jordan Babado take us through a few plays. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Seahawks Weekly at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar right here in the heart of downtown Bellevue. I want a big thank you to our sponsors, Harris Distillings, Batch Number 12 Vodka, Legendary Donuts, and Muckle Shoot Bingo. Coming up at 745, the professor, John Clayton, he will join us. But right now we take you inside the film room, Dave Wyman and Jordan Babineau, as we get ready to break down Three plays that happened in the course of the Jaguars game. First play, Terrence Garvin's forced fumble on the kickoff. Here's the kick by Blair Walsh, and it's taken at the one-yard line, bringing it out across the 10-15. Oh, ball is out! Diving for the ball! Tanner McAvoy, I believe, was one of the men trying to get 
to the football. Seahawks say they have it. Let's see what the officials say. As the return man was hit and fumbled out across the 20-yard line, Seahawks still saying they have it. I think it was Grant who coughed it up. Seahawks still say they have it. Where's the official? They have it. They do have it at the 25-yard line. Grant was hammered. He coughed up the ball. And just like that, the Seahawks are back in scoring position. Terrence Garvin, we talked to today, he came from a long ways away. He was the L3, so you count inside-out kicker, L1, L2, L3. It's very complicated. L stands for left. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you said that because I two, didn't three. know. <laughs> then there's on the other side, R1, R2. But, you know, he's the third guy out, so he was basically out by the numbers. And he ran all the way downfield and also sort of across the field and, uh, and, and made the hit. So it was really nice to see uh, Terrence Garvin. And, you know, I asked him today, I go, Did you, could you tell that one was one of those hits where the ball came out he said oh yeah he, he was you could see the the glee in his eyes but you know that is just such a big play and you know last week I saw the Rams blocked a punt for a touchdown it's pretty often that you see when that happens you usually win a game so I was surprised they didn't win that but a turnover on special teams is huge especially on a kickoff because that means you just scored and now you're you're getting the ball back again yeah, and I think for the Seahawks, too, right at that moment, they, um, they scored their first field goal, their first points of the game. It was 10-3 at the time. They kicked the ball off and go down to force that fumble and then score a touchdown two plays later. Now it's a 10-10 ball game. That kind of play is what changes the momentum of the game. Now, unfortunately for the Seahawks, they let that mo relinquish that momentum back to Jacksonville by giving up the big play, uh, you know, the next possession. But... But it, I, I believe uh, Garvin was unblocked, one of, one of the unblocked players. Yes. And, and, and a lot of special teams really is all will, man. I mean, you got to be half crazy to play special teams, to fly down the field, run 40 yards, and just run into somebody like they're not even there. He did that. Babs, are you crazy? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to ask. I didn't know. Man, you, you have to be. But, you know, when you look at that game, I think that was that could have been the changing point that really sparked the Seahawks because on the road is tough. You know, I never forget when we played coach, my, our defensive coordinator, Ray Rowe, which used to always say when we play on the road, you got to pack your defense and you got to pack your special teams because it's hard on the offense. And you see how long it took our offense to get going. Defensively, we were in that game. That special team's play should have been the spark that ignited what the Seahawks were looking for uh, in, in, by playing on the road in Jacksonville. Unfortunately, uh, Jacksonville got back in the game by creating some big plays offensively, and then Seahawks wind up having to play catch-up. So uh, big plays like that is really what changes the outcome of a game or can change the outcome of a game. Uh, Seahawks have to be more consistent in doing that because Jacksonville hit the Seahawks for a big play on the punt return as well. Terrence Garvin today said, I got my invisibility juice. <laughs> Nobody saw him. He called it invisibility yeah. juice. That was so nice. Unblocked. You know this. Unblocked. Is a, yeah, when you're a defensive player, like, nobody's blocking me. This is the best. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened with Terrence Garvin. All right, the next play we're going to go over, Paul Richardson's 61-yard touchdown. 
at their own 39. McKissick out of the backfield. Russell steps up in the pocket, breaks free, looks. Now he's going to throw downfield. Got Paul Richardson, makes the catch at the 20, turns inside 15, 10, 5. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Dance a little more, Jacksonville. Paul Richardson with a big touchdown reception quiets this crowd in a hurry and gets the Seahawks slowly but surely back into it. 27-16, a 61-yard strike from Russell Wilson. The coolest thing about that is Steve Rabel had just told Dave Wyman, I was listening to the call, he had just told them, they better quit dancing or they're going to get some of their own medicine here in a second. Yeah. And right after he said that to you, they scored. Yeah. Well, I want to know what were you doing when Rabel was making a call? Were you jumping up? Yeah. I was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing. I think that was the one where I said, I've learned to never doubt Russell or something uh-huh. like that. And that's, that's what happened. I mean, they scored quickly. And, you know, it was, it was kind of weird to look at. The, they, they really figured out that Jacksonville defense. And we were talking about it earlier. It looked like they were playing quarters on one side, yep. half on the other. They, they found, and this is what I love about, without all the technical stuff, Daryl Bevel is really good at finding, you know, how are they playing something and how can we take advantage of it? And that's one of the things that happened because they held one of their safeties with uh, a, an out route and then all of a sudden he was like wide open and there was lots of opportunities. And it's too bad because there's a couple times where Russell had somebody, you know, right there in his lap and he couldn't find him but there were guys open downfield well what they what seattle did was they finally made the adjustment they had success running the football both with russell in the zone keep and getting to the edge of the defense mike davis had a lot of success penetrating the the defense as well but then he gets hurt right so then what do you do you give the ball to number three and what they did was basically separated the field in halves one half they had basically you get two vertical routes, it's one-on-one. It becomes one-on-one for the defense. And on the other side, they occupied the safety and distracted him that took him out of the play, which left the middle of the field wide open, and all Russell had to do was throw the ball away from the defender. And Richardson, we, we got to talk about Paul Richardson. I mean, he's made so many strides since his being hurt his rookie year with the knee injury to now where he is, you know, being that deep threat for the Seahawks. I, I, I'm... I have to believe that one of the priorities for the Seahawks going into this offseason is making sure that they acquire and re-sign Paul Richardson to the roster. All yeah, right. Last the thing about that throw real quick, Russell made it pretty flat-footed. He, he was stepping up in the pocket, and he didn't have a chance to really wind up and throw that. It was a pretty deep throw. Last play, we got about a minute and a half to explain this. Tyler Lockett, 74-yard touchdown. Second down and five. Russell right back to the line of scrimmage. Throwing. He's got Lockett near side. He's got it. The 30, the 25, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Again, another big deep shot. And the Seahawks score. Tyler Lockett this time. As this number one rated defense of Jacksonville, they just kind of look at each other. Now on a 74-yard strike. 30 seconds each, guys. What did we see? Again, that was that same, really same style uh, type of combination coverage that Jacksonville likes to play. They took advantage of the safety. Barry Church has been giving up uh, big plays to the tight ends and upfield routes all season. Uh, Kansas City and Travis Kelsey took advantage of that. I think that was a staple with Tyler Lockett making that double move to create that separation and Russell having time to step up in the pocket and make that big throw. Yeah, they looked like they had quarters, which is four deep, and the one guy 
who uh, got fooled was the inside quarter dropper, and it was a nice little bend route. So he kind of sold it like, okay, uh, you know, he thought he could pass it off to the outside guy, and then he went straight up yep. field, and that's why uh, they were able to burn him deep. All right. Well, hey, coming up at 8 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, we got Michael Wilhoyt is going to be right here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. And, of course, up next, we're going to have the professor, John Clayton. And, by the way, we're going to play a new game. A new game today is you drink a couple apple cider every time you hear Jordan Babineau say big play. We're listening to Seahawks Weekly. There we go. You'll never find out signs of a sign. And fessed up, dressed up like Eskimos, everybody knows. A turkey and a mistletoe. Boom, 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 boom. Helps to make And welcome back to Seahawks Weekly. I think we're on the air. Okay. All right. I don't know if Jordan Babineau knows, but he is singing right now. Not only can Jordan Babineau play football, but he can sing. I think he sang like two to three good songs. <laughs> Let me ask the crowd. How was he, crowd? Was he good? Oh, man. So you guys are missing out. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we got Michael Wilhoy, but right now on the phone, and he can actually sing better than Jordan Babineau. The professor, John Clayton. <laughs> Can JC, you really? Would you no, go no, good, I, man? I cannot sing better. And by the way, we're on the ISDN line, not on the phone. So, uh, but the, the big thing is like now, so Jordan, can you give us a little rap just for me? <laughs> Let's see, who, who, be who, who had the, the, the Cypress Hill old, old school Christmas rap? I, mean, I, I don't I'll know those. Anything. I don't you, know you those, JC. Christmas rap. Just give me a there little was, rap. There was a, a Christmas rap. It was in uh, it was. the movie Die Hard. There was a there was a Christmas. How's it go? Track. How's it go, it Dave? Run DMC. Yeah, run I'll DMC. I'll think of it by the time we're done. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay, yeah, we better that, stop. That had to be one of the great dun, Christmas dun, of all time. Dun, 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 dun. Nothing better hey. than death and destruction on Christmas Eve. All right, JC, give us some injury updates right now for this game, upcoming game on Sunday. Well, it gets a little scary because you know you know KJ Wright did not practice today. I still go by what he told me. Because I saw him after the game. He was talking to Michael Wilhoyt. And Michael can tell you, because we were standing there right there in the same conversation, he seemed to be fine. So you can probably get a determination of that. And, again, KJ was so fluent after the game that I'd be stunned if he doesn't play. But, again. You mean he doesn't think that he's uh, Spider-Man? Well, he does think he's Spider-Man. But, again, it's like a, <laughs> well, then that, he's that normal. can work because he is. That is normal. I mean, you know, look, look at his long angular body and all that stuff i don't know it seems like kj Wright's taller than he was like a year ago but regardless <laughs> i think he's, he's still be growing able to play. yeah I, i'm not optimistic noticed? about bobby wagner uh i would have to think that Dion jordan has a chance to play so really it comes down to bobby wagner which is a big removal from a guy that is probably you know not a leading candidate but one of the candidates for defensive player of the year well you know what john i feel like they'll be okay if KJ can play. Yeah. And, and look, this is no disrespect to the backups because they're good, man. I, I loved what I saw from DJ Alexander. I love what I saw from Michael Wilhoy. It's just that it's almost too much at that point. But, you know, I, you said you got a good feeling from KJ. And, and again, and you, also, can talk, you, you can talk to Michael because Michael was standing right next to me. I interviewed him for yeah. Monday. And it's like, I mean, KJ was so fluent. It's like, I, I couldn't see. Now, again, they got to be cautious. It's concussion protocol. But I'd be stunned if he doesn't play. Yeah, and then also Mike Davis is another guy that he did have ribs, mm -hmm. but uh, he seemed okay afterwards. As yeah, well. and again, I checked with him after the game. I saw him coming off the field, and I said, Michael, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'll play. 
And so uh, we interviewed him yesterday for today, and he talked about what happened. He suffered the, re- the, the rib injury, and he couldn't breathe. And so, you know, he wanted to go back in the game, but he was actually thankful because they didn't put him back in the game again. He wanted to go back in because, I mean, you're talking about a guy who was cut by the 49ers. He was on the practice squad. I mean, this guy wants to prove something. And every time he runs the football, he proves something. I mean, it's like, you know, we can talk about Alex Collins and the success he's having in Baltimore. I mean, we all, I think, agree watching in training camp, you know, Michael Davis was ahead of Alex Collins. And I think you can see this guy's a good running back. And it's just, he could be a potential starting running back in this league. He's going to be able to play. He's been able to practice the last two days. I think he's going to be fine. JC, what did the Seahawks have to take away this week from the Rams that they do best in order to have the best chance to win? Same thing they did the last game they played them, stop the run. He'll be able to have uh, Bradley McDougall up there near the line of scrimmage as the eighth guy in the box. Take away the running play. It's like if you're going to be beaten, try to be beaten by the quarterback, Jared Goff. And so if you take away the running game, which, you know, they did the first time, we'll see if they're going to be able to do it as well without Bobby Wagner if he's not going to be able to play. Uh, it's like you take away the run and you put it on Jared Goff because one thing is if you can get the pressure on the quarterback, they got the pressure in the first game, you know, it puts him a little bit in a position, particularly on a road game because, remember, in a home game, he's going to be a little bit better. It's tougher on the road. The big thing is take away the running game, let the quarterback try to beat you, and if you can stop him, then you're in good shape. JC, how impressive is Sean McVay, and is the Rams' success an indictment on my man Jeff Fisher when he was the coach? Well, I, I, honestly, I think Jeff Fisher's going to get a job as a head coach in this league, and I'm a big believer in Jeff Fisher. But I'm also a big believer in Sean McVay. He is the best young coach I've seen come into the league since John Gruden. I mean, he is phenomenal. He is a guy that is so attentive to detail. He's a guy that, uh, I mean, he will now work in the quarterback's ear to the 15-second mark when they cut off the communication, and he gets a good job of seeing what he sees. I mean, I'm standing on the sideline. He's right in front of me, you know, like at the 20, 25-yard line, you know, making sure what he looks at, he sees, and he communicates it to the quarterback. He's like, did you see this? Did you see that? I am so impressed with him. But maybe even more so the fact that what he was able to do, hire veteran coaches that can come in, more experienced than him, learn from those guys, give them the authority to do what they need to do to do their job, while he'll concentrate on getting the quarterback better. This guy is an absolute sensational coach. He is going to be a superstar in this league. It's pretty amazing what he's done down there. John, how about Cooper Cup, man? Eastern Washington guys from Yakima. I mean, and I honestly, <laughs> earlier in the week, I was like, yeah, he was a free agent. Oh, he's a third-round draft yeah. choice, man. This guy is very talented. He, I, I saw today that him and Gurley are about 50% of that offense, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that guy is, how about him for rookie of the year? No, it's not going to happen because, again, you have so many good running backs are going to be ahead of him, and you know, the running backs are ahead of yeah. the wide receivers. But I, I, I tell you what, when I was watching him in the, in the Ram game from the sidelines, I came to the conclusion he may not be the number one guy now, even though he's the number one guy as far as pass catching for the Rams. He will be the number one guy because I was watching what they were doing with Sammy Watkins. He was more of a deep threat but more of a threat because they would do him on decoy routes. They would take Tavon Austin and put him in routes where basically, well, he was more of a running back doing, uh, you know, jet sweeps and things like that. But you can look at Cooper Cup. I think he's going to be the number one guy. They really like what they have in Robert Woods, who's been out 
coming over from Buffalo the last couple of weeks with injuries. But, I mean, I can tell you right now, within a year, Cooper Cup's going to be the number one wide receiver on this team. He's really good. JC, before we get you out of here, last question. Game predictions for Sunday. I, I still think they win because, again, it's at home. The weather conditions are going to play against J Jared Goff. And even though they're kind of undermanned a little bit on defense because of the injuries, I think they'll step up. The key is the crowd has to make sure with all the stuff that uh, they do with their sweeps and all the different things, trickery things, they've got to shut down and make sure that they don't get that going. The crowd can play a big factor, and I think the Seahawks can win. Well, Professor, we appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us. And uh, John, you, you want to take us out with your favorite Christmas carol? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, it, can I get it? I can't get a good rap on a Christmas carol. Can we get Silent one on that? Silent night. Go ahead, sing along with him, JC. Solely night. Solely night. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was actually good. That was pretty good, JC. Thanks a lot for jumping on with us. <laughs> Coming up next, Michael Wilhoyt, linebacker for your Seahawks. He joins us next at Seahawks Weekly. Gee, did he get the words right? <laughs>